Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we speak with Colts Wire Managing Editor Kevin Hickey as he gives us his thoughts ahead of the team's matchup this Sunday. Also, we check in on this week's press conferences for the best sound heading into week three. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, was there anything that stood out to you from the Week 2 victory over the Chargers? Yeah, I think there's there's one big thing that stood out, and it is Jalen Watson. We're talking about the 7th uh, round rookie draft pick out of Washington State, selected uh, in the 7th round this, this past year in the 2022 NFL Draft. Um, I mean, goodness, yeah, which is what a performance by this young man. I mean, he said that he knew he was going to get an interception against the Chargers. Well, how did he know that? I mean, because he knew that as a late-round rookie filling in for a first-round draft pick like Trent McDuffie, that, that Justin Herbert was going to know about it, that he was going to target him often. And, well, guess what? Eight passes went into his coverage, all right? And Herbert completed just three of those passes for 25 yards. I think he had like a 6.8 passer rating allowed. I mean, it was just uh, insane, insane production from from the rookie. And then he got the the crazy 99-yard interception return for a touchdown that, I mean, is in the fourth quarter, changed the outcome of the game. There's no question about it. That that changed the outcome of the game. It shifted the odds uh, well in favor of the Chiefs. I I mean, you know, they're knocking on the doorstep. They had one yard to go, and... Boom, interception, returns it for a touchdown. Just, uh, It was beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I mean, it was so much fun to watch that, to hear Arrowhead Stadium erupt after really there wasn't a whole lot to cheer for early on in that game. I mean, it was a struggle. Um, and, and, you know, this performance was so great. He earns AFC Defensive Player of the Week honors, right? A weekly award. It's the se- Chiefs' second week in a row with a, a player earning a weekly award. But this time it's the rookie seventh-round draft pick. Um, you know, I know it's only like a, a 1.5 game sample size at this point, but like I'm not certain that the Chiefs are going to be willing to bench Watson when McDuffie comes back from his injury. Like I feel like Rashad Fenton's a guy who like he needs to pick up his play over the next few weeks, or he could be the one going to the bench. So. Uh, that, I mean, that was just I, what a, what an impressive showing from the rookie. I mean, he really, you know, saved the day uh, against an AFC West rival. I mean, big big game early in the season, and uh, and he just had uh, a monster performance. Monster performance. How will Willie Gay Jr.'s suspension affect the defense moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are. I mean, they're really going to miss uh, what Gay Jr. brings to the defense. He's easily the team's best athlete at the linebacker position. Um, he's the best cover player they have uh, in terms of, you know, matching up with guys in man coverage, zone coverage. I mean, he's got a really good feel for that. And, you know, he plays both in the base defense and the sub-package defense. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, you need need to have a very varied skill set to be able to do those types of things. And uh, I don't think there's going to be a one-to-one replacement on the roster, given all the different things that he does. Um, I also don't think this is like a back-breaking absence, though. I mean, I saw some people saying, oh, there's no way they're going to win. You know, they're not going to win against uh, 
the the Buccaneers. They're not going to win against the Buffalo Bills. And, and I'm just like, I, I, I don't feel that way. I feel like there's really only one player you can kind of take out of the lineup that would impact the, the Chiefs' chances to win a game that significantly, and that's Patrick Mahomes. But uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, the Chiefs are pretty deep at the linebacker position. And I think you're probably going to see like a number of different players get involved here. But, I mean, as far as snaps are concerned, you're going to see Darius Harris get the bigger workload immediately. Um, I think it's possible that, like, Nick Bolton could, like, slide over, play a little bit of weak side linebacker in place of Gay. But my guess is that Harris is probably the guy in both, like, base and nickel looks who who they trust. Uh, He's been there the longest, 2019. Uh, He had a redshirt year, but but he's been here since, you know, beginning of 2019 coaching staff uh front office both really like him maybe you'll get some elijah lee in there at times but i I tend to think that 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 harris is going to be the guy and then you know another option is that you increase the big nickel looks and the dime packages with the extra safety on the field i know that that's something that spagnola has done you know in the past has liked in the past those different looks but this year this year it hasn't really been about that um you know, uh, you know, one thing I don't expect we're going to see much of, though, is Leo Chanel. Um, I, I just don't think that, uh, that the rookie, that the rookie, uh, I, I just don't think that he's going to get in there. You know, my understanding is that the Chiefs kind of want to limit how much they're putting on his plate. They want him to kind of master one role this season, which is the Sam linebacker position, and then, you know, kind of add to it in the future. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, Lee, Harris, Harris going to be the guy. Lee will get, get some looks in there occasionally. Chanel uh, going to just keep doing his thing at the Sam linebacker position. And, and you know, the Chiefs are going to roll. They have that next man up mentality, and I don't think they're going to let this this one absence sink their season. You know, I think they're going to find a way, as they, as they often have, and uh, you know we'll just kind of see uh, we'll see what that looks like. We'll see what that looks like, and um, I, I think it'll be exciting for the defense. And you know it could prove important in the wrong one, long run because you never you never know when an injury is going to happen, right? So you, you're going to get some of these guys who maybe weren't going to be getting reps. They're going to get some valuable repetitions now, and you know those repetitions uh, could come in handy come playoff time. Do you believe the Derwin James body slam tackle on Travis Kelsey was overrated? Yeah, I mean, you even heard it from Andy Reid this week. Um, that type of play has been called a, a penalty before and even called against the Chiefs. I think it was the 2020 AFC title game when they were playing the Bills and Bashad Breeland lifted Stefan Diggs up and slammed him into the ground and boom, you know, and sportsmanlike conduct, unnecessary roughness, whatever it was called. I, I can't remember. But, uh, you know, it certainly should have been a penalty uh, based on what officials are instructed to do in that situation. Now, you know, when a player clearly, like, dives over a pile or, you know, goes airborne of their will, you know, they don't they don't do anything. They don't whistle play dead. But when a player goes airborne unwillingly, like, you know, if they're, if they're tackled and thrown into the air or if they're picked up by another player – they're supposed to whistle forward progress. Now they didn't do that, um, but look, I don't, I don't really blame the officials for missing the call here. If you actually go and look at the all twenty-two angle of the tape, 
like the best angle for an official to see what actually happened on the play, which was, you know, Derwin going low on Kelsey, lifting him up and throwing him to the ground. If you look at that all 22 angle, you'll see that the back judge who was like 40 yards away from the play was the person who actually had the best angle. So if anything, for me, this is just another argument that the NFL needs a sky judge. They need someone who can see that all 22 angle and be like, oh, okay, well, none of our guys had a good view on this. Let me, you know, let me review these angles, all these camera angles real quick and make an assessment on the play. I I know that's something that the league doesn't really want to get into, but, you know, if they're talking about play consist, uh, you know, uh, officiating consistency, I think it's something they need to consider. Should the Chiefs consider playing Justin Watson in more packages since he has good chemistry with Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the chemistry with Mahomes that is the reason they should be playing him more frequently. I, I was just really impressed with like the type of information he used, You know what informed his route that he scored the touchdown on uh, in Week 2. So he used info that he gathered from his game against the Chargers back in 2020 with the Buccaneers, when he was with the Buccaneers. And, and that allowed him to know, like, hey, like these players tend to bite on this type of double move, on this specific leverage, and, and he was able to score a touchdown on it. And, um, you know, it's that type of smart play and that type of preparation that will get him on the field early and often this season. I mean, Patrick Mahomes even said it himself, I think, on Wednesday. He was like, he'll get more and more opportunities as the season goes on. And, you know, I think that's actually going to be, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, Especially, you know, the Chiefs got their receiving core kind of beat up right now. Um, Ticky-tacky injuries, nothing that's going to keep players out. But, I mean, even Watson himself has a chest injury that he's dealing with right now. You know, MVS has a a hip, I think... uh, Hardman has a heel. Um, Smith Schuster had the knee thing going on. Um, and, and, you know, I think shoulder or something. I, I mean, like, just uh, guys are kind of banged up a little bit. So I, I feel like there are going to be opportunities for Watson uh, to get in there and, and uh, you know, really fill in for, for some of these other guys and, you know, potentially carve out a role for himself where he becomes the guy. So. You know, we'll, we'll just see how that progresses. But, yeah, I, I do think they should consider getting him in there uh, more frequently. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so obviously we've got a ton of articles up on the website covering uh, Willie Gay Jr.'s suspension. Uh, we're covering that from all angles possible because, you know, it's really the biggest story. Heading into week three and, you know, over the next four weeks, it's going to be a big thing for Kansas City. Um, we've got all you need to know about the Chiefs' newest addition to the 53-man roster, who is number 53 defensive end Benton Whitley, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams practice squad. Uh, if you haven't checked out uh, Wesley Roche's weekly special teams review, I, I say do yourself a favor and check that thing out because uh, he puts a lot of time into that. And uh, it's got some really, uh, really good info, good insight onto uh, how the Chiefs handle things, do things on special teams, which, you know, an important aspect of the game that, that often goes overlooked. And, uh, hey, my guy Ed here even has a few new articles on the website right now, so uh, be sure to check those out as well. As always, uh, we appreciate your support. 
list, both listening to uh, the podcast and then reading the website because we couldn't do any of this without you, uh, w- without you, our Chiefs fans. And uh, you know, you know what we say now, Chiefs Kingdom. You know what we do. Go Chiefs. I'm here with Kevin Hickey, the Colts Wire Managing Editor. Kevin, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Who are the players you would like to highlight on the Colts offense? First off, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys reaching out. Um, big fan of the the work you guys do over there at Chiefs Wire. Um, you know, you guys are definitely a site that uh, that I look up to and I have looked up to since I joined, uh, you know, over five years ago. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. But um, who are the players you want to highlight on the Colts offense? I mean, Everybody, you know, obviously you're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. You're going to talk about Michael Pittman. Um, but it, for me, it, it starts with the offensive line. You know, the Colts are, you know, no no team is meant to handle a lot of pressure on their quarterback. But the Colts are really an offense where if they start seeing consistent pressure, they start allowing consistent pressure, the offense really crumbles. I mean, the the whole unit really works through the offensive line, especially, you know, you got Matt Ryan, a guy who he does well within the pocket. He does well with his with his movement within the pocket, but he's not going to make plays outside of structure. Um, so, the, you know, the guy you want to highlight there, and then I'm probably going to talk about most, is, is Matt Pryor, left tackle. Um, you know, they the Colts haven't found their replacement for Anthony Costanzo, who retired after the 2019 season. Uh, they they brought in Pryor, who's been mostly a depth guy, mostly a swing tackle throughout his career. Showed some flashes at left tackle during the 2021 season, and then you know the Colts re-signed him to a one-year deal and have given him the chance to prove himself as the left tackle. But it hasn't gone well. It has not gone well to begin the season. Um, he's a guy that he doesn't really handle edge rushers who can run the arc with a lot of bend and a lot of burst. So. You know, I think that's going to be an area the the Chiefs are probably going to target. So, you know, he's kind of that, you know, he's kind of that weakest link on the offensive line right now, and it's causing a lot of problems. You know, a couple of years ago, you would have looked at the Colts' offensive line, and you know, you'd put them in that elite category. But right now, they're not playing like it. They're not playing like a like an elite unit. They're not playing like a unit that understands how to work together. Um, you know, there's a lot of miscommunication. Between, even between guys like Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly, who have been there for four years, five years. So, you know, it, it starts and ends with the offensive line because of how the offense is run and how much it flows through the offensive line. So, you know, Matt Pryor is going to be a guy that's going to be kind of an X factor in the sense that if he can hold his own, if he can kind of show up and be the left tackle they think, it can start to turn the tide a little bit. Um, just try to get some momentum back in their favor because you're – you know, it's always going to be tough trying to trail the the Chiefs' offensive, um, you know, passing attack with with Mahomes and and Kelsey. So you know, he's a guy that that you're going to have to keep an eye on, just because he can he can be kind of an X factor. But um, then, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he can do it all. Um, he can catch passes out of the backfield. He can pass protect. Uh, you know, he's really coming into his own in that sense in terms of uh, picking up blitzes, understanding blocking schemes and where the where the pressure's coming from. Um, but then, and you know, you can run him inside, you can run him outside, you can run power with him, you can run zone, inside zone, outside zone, whatever they want to do. So he's a very versatile guy. He's He is everything that people say he is. Um, and then, you know, he, he obviously can 
bust off a big run at any time. Uh, and then, you know, in the passing game, it's it's Michael Pittman Jr. And, and nobody else. I mean, that's really what it's come down to. And that was really one of the biggest questions this offseason was, you know, how can the Colts add talent around Michael Pittman Jr.? Because when he's there, when he's available, it's awesome. The dude is really coming into his own in terms of being, you know, one of those young ascending alpha wide receivers, especially when you talk about just target share within the offense, um, you know, how much production he accounts for himself. So, you know, I think he had something like 34% of the, the team's receiving yards in week one, but then, you know, he had a quad injury and missed week two. And that, you know, we started to see, you know, one of the biggest questions was what do they have beyond Michael Pittman Jr. in the passing game? We got to see that. We got to see that in week two and it wasn't good. Um, you know, the tight ends didn't step up. You got Mo Ali Cox, who's taking over the, the number one role after Jack Doyle retired this offseason. He hasn't really stepped up. Kylan Granson's a second year guy, plays more of the F tight end, the move tight end. But uh, he's been really inconsistent, um, whether it's, you know, route running, whether it's just securing catches. Um, he's He's got a lot of promise, but he's been very inconsistent in the wide receiver room. You know, you got rookie Alec Pierce, who's right now the number three. Um, he had a concussion missed week two, should be back this week. And then, you know, the other the other wide receivers, Paris Campbell, he's in a contract year. He's been dealing with injuries. I think he's played like nine games throughout his career since being drafted in 2019. So, you know, we were hoping to see a good portion of him in week two as the de facto number one. But he he gave up a goose egg, man. He, he, uh, he had two targets. I think he played played more snaps than any wide receiver, but um, you know didn't have a catch. So that was really disappointing to see because now it's now you got to see what they have behind Michael Pittman Jr. and they didn't have anything. They didn't have any production. So I mean, Ashton Doolin's a guy you're going to want to keep an eye on. He's when everybody's healthy, he's probably the number four because he's a special teams guy who kind of you know he made his impact on special teams and kind of rose through the ranks, and now he's the number four wide receiver. He had 79 yards last week, but you know, a lot of that came in garbage time. So, you know, the, the Colts offensive thing that really it comes down to is, is the offensive line. If the offensive line is playing well, if they're, if they're communicating, if they are handling their assignments, well, the offense will move, it will go. Um, but they haven't had that. They haven't had that consistency. They haven't had that communication. So, you know, that's, that's been probably their biggest Achilles heel. Okay. Let's look on the other side of the ball. Who are the players you would like to highlight on the Colts' defense? It all it starts and ends with the pass rush. Um, you know, they bring in Yannick Ngakwe uh, with a trade with the Raiders this offseason. He hasn't shown up. He hasn't been anywhere. Um, you know, he's going to play that Leo position, which is solely focused on uh, the pass rush. You know, he's not going to really be a factor in the run game. Uh, his assignment is pin your ears back, get in the backfield. Try to get pressure as quickly as you can, any way you can. But he hasn't been able to do that. So, you know, he's a guy that they're going to need to step up for him, for the team. Um, And then you you got DeForest Buckner, 2020 All-Pro, had a good year last year. But uh, so, you know, he's he's kind of the engine from the three technique. He's the engine of the defense. And, and, you know, he's had a, a fine start to the season, but you definitely need more from him. You need more from him as a pass rusher. So hopefully they can get him going this week. And then, uh, you know, they have one of the best one techniques, one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. Grover Stewart's probably the most underrated one technique defensive tackle in the NFL. 
Um, just an absolute, just consistent disruptor. Dude's always in the backfield. He's always penetrating. And whether he's directly making a play against the run or whether he's redirecting the running back into another defender, he's just always there. He's always getting pressure, always getting penetration. So he's a guy that that can really help them force the Chiefs to pass more, which really isn't what you want because, I mean, their their passing game is so explosive. But, um, you know, he's Ed Stewart's a guy. He's a guy. Uh, and then you got Quiddy Pay at the other side. He's going to play the strong side, defensive end position. Uh, he'll make plays against the run. He's a good run defender. But he's also got a lot of athleticism, a lot of bend, a lot of burst coming off the edge. So, you know, he's had a, a solid start to the season, but they need more from him. Um, and then, you know, you – Right now, uh, Shaquille Leonard was a was a full participant all last week, but they still ruled him out. This week, he starts the week as a full participant, so we'll see what happens. I expect him to play, especially if he's full all week again. They've been super cautious with him after he had back surgery this offseason. But if he's full, he's going he's gonna to play. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that they would have him practice in full for the second week in a row and then sit him again in a game that you absolutely have to win, you know, against, against the chiefs. So it's, you know, he's going to be a, he's obviously going to be an X factor. Um, Stefan Gilmore, he's going to play on the boundary. You know, he's had a, a good start to the season, but they need a little more from him. They need a little more from him. He, he got burnt a little bit on, uh, on a couple third downs. They lined him up against Evan Ingram on third downs in week two against the Jags. And he got beat a couple times. Uh, but he's been solid for the most part. And then Kenny Moore is the other guy you're you're going to want to keep an eye on. He's a slot corner, but he also plays on the outside when they go into their base packages, um, when they play three linebackers. So he's a he's a good player. He's really talented, um, lengthy corner, really good tackler, especially in open space. Um, good in good in press, can make plays on the ball, but it hasn't been there. He hasn't been. Uh, the player that we've been used to seeing over the last couple of years, you know, he's a guy that's going to, they're really going to need him to step up, especially against, you know, in the middle of the field against the chiefs uh, weapons in the middles. And finally, what is your prediction for the game? You know, I, I don't think anybody should be expecting the Colts to pull off an upset. I, I think if they figure out their offensive line issues, and I think if they somehow find a way to get more consistent pressure from their defensive line, they can make it close, but this team isn't playing well enough right now to be in the conversation with the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs look – they I mean, they look good. They look really good. They look very comfortable. They look very confident. Um, you know, I, I don't – I think coming into the season, we, we a lot of us kind of viewed the Colts as a playoff contender, but they haven't looked like a playoff team to open the season. And it's obviously early. It can change, but – what happened in Jacksonville last week, it, it's completely changed the perception of what this team actually looks like. And, you know, I think uh, if it had to come down to it, I think they improve. Obviously, I mean, you can't get worse than last week, but um, I think they I think they come out and they, they probably score a little bit more, but it, you're going to be trailing the Chiefs the whole game. I mean, having Travis Kelsey in the middle, that's a mismatch for, for the Chiefs. Um, you know, I think I think the Chiefs definitely could put up 30 points. I think it's probably going to be something like 31, 23. Um, I think the I think the Colts will try to make it competitive. You know, that's that's the optimistic view, but it, no one should have the expectation that that uh, that the Colts are going to come out and win this game.
talk about this, you know, all the time is that, you know, anybody can get the ball. Anyone can make the play, uh, no matter who's in that position. Uh, just know that when your number is called, you know, make the play. Uh, and that's what it is. Uh, for myself, you know, I see myself, you know, being the guy that, you know, wherever they need me at, I'm there to be that guy, uh, inside, outside, whatever that may be. If they need me to block, I'm blocking. They need me to, to do this, do that. Uh, I'm an all-around guy. The majority of time, are you breaking off a route to follow Pat, especially when he's in scramble mode? Um, you know, you have a certain route, but then are you breaking off to just get open for him? Is that oh, the majority of time? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, when, when Pat's scrambling and, you know, out of pocket, you know, all of us are all scrambling, trying to, you know, find a way to get the ball, you know, catch the football and make plays. And that's just, that's just the norm. How, how comfortable do you see, do you feel you are in those kind of structured situations with that now that you've had a long time to, to work with? Oh, very comfortable. Uh, like I say, you know, we've been practicing since, you know, all through our OTAs, all through our camp. So it's something that, you know, we do it in the game and I'm not surprised that, we, you know, when we score in it. So, what, you know, working with Andrew Reed, now you've got a chance to do it a little bit. I know you had the preseason and everything, but have to go through the game week, the whole process. When, you know, what, what makes him, you know, Mike Tomlin's obviously a very successful coach as well, but what, what makes Andrew Reed so successful? Honestly, I think it's just the attention to details. You know, um, one of the biggest things that, you know, leading up into the week, going into the game game week, the, the distractions are less, you know, and you're, you're more focused on your job, your assignments, the details of your routes, your plays, and then one of the biggest things he always says before every game is, you know, show your personality out there, and I think that's really cool because, you know, everyone's a different personality, you know, mine's different between, you know, other guys on the team and other guys are different between, you know, a lot of other guys on the other side of the ball, so it's just really cool to go out there and everyone's just to have fun, fly around, play ball. Can you, can you talk about the defense a little bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, although, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling right now, I think they're a great team. They're, they have a lot of, you know, puzzles um, that they have on their defense that's going to fit really, really well. Um, I'm excited to go against Gilmore. You know, he's a guy that I went against multiple times when I was in Pittsburgh uh, and him being at New England. So uh, it, it's really cool. You know, their middle linebacker, you know, he's a captain of the team. He's been doing it for so long. So um, I just got to give it up to them. So and we, can't, we can't go into this game taking it lightly, especially it being a away game. I want to take the time to thank my guest, Kevin Hickey of the Colts Wire, and to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter at The Chiefs Wire. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next week.